Hey everyone, welcome to Probably Science. I'm Matt Kirshen. I'm Andy Wood. Hey Andy. Uh, we're recording again from isolation over the internet, but hopefully using slightly better tech this time. It should be coming through at a higher quality. We're recording locally and also at the suggestion of listener Matt W., who is one of the hosts of the Offline Gamer podcast. Uh, we're trying a uh, TriCast is the name. Cast is the name of the software. So one of those two things will be what's going on. Uh, hopefully cast works for us. And thank you, Matt, at the Offline Gamer Podcast for the suggestion. This but, is going to be um, an interesting... Go, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it's <laughs> going to be a, a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be... A fi- apologies for some of that in the last episode as well. There was a lot of like, no, you go. No, 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 you go first. Um, but yeah, this is going to, again, be a hopefully mostly coronavirus uh, absent podcast. We're trying to do a mixture of episodes where we talk about the virus and things related to it. Uh, and then some episodes where we just do normal science stories like the regular episodes. And this is going to be one of those. And our guest is a returning guest, one of the few scientists turned comedians, environmental scientists turned comic. You would have heard uh, we spoke about that last time. And also comic with a new album coming out on Tuesday. Very funny comedian. It's Grant Lyon. Hey, Grant. Hey, thanks for having me, fellas. Man, thanks for uh, coming back. Yeah, How's I appreciate it. Thanks uh, you for making the trip. Great guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had well, to walk all the way up my stairs to my computer, so you're welcome. I'm yeah. currently I recording mean, I... from bed. So how's how John <laughs> Lennon Yoko Ono is that? And I'm also recording from Andy's bed. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's um, my Yoko, I think, or I'm his. I don't know. Yeah, that is true. I did break up Andy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think I think it's going to be interesting to see what kind of tech comes out of this. I was just on the House Party app. Have you guys gotten on that yet? Uh, my family got me onto that. My younger sister, who works for a tech company and is generally up on this kind of thing, suggested we moved over to that from trying Google Hangouts. It, it seems to be higher quality and easier function at the moment, but I don't know whether that's just because fewer people are on it. And as this thing progresses, maybe it'll also go to shit. Yeah, I think we're I, all going to become experts in these different um, video conferencing technologies soon. But, I haven't heard of House Party. What is it's? I, I I think maybe the main difference is that it doesn't have a lot of. Um, I think once you add people as friends, if they are in, if they're on on the app, and you just open the app, you will by default be thrown into a group chat with whoever, whichever your friends are on. I believe, unless you set it up to not do that, because I've gone on like three times, and two of those three times. I think that I stumbled into things that I was... In fact, I might have interrupted someone's sexy time last night. I, I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> their reaction to me showing up at a house party was like not what I would have expected. And then just so, today... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, so it's like a real college house party where someone's showing up and you're like, man, yeah. who told him about the party? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> or you accidentally stumbled into a bedroom that had a door shut and they're like, oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then today I just happened to open it and only Reggie Watts was in. So he and I started talking and I was like, am I good enough friends with Reggie Watts? Is this <laughs> like, I also don't know what the new protocol is going to be if someone's like, 
oh, I don't really want to video chat with you, but now this is happening. So I think in these modern coronavirus-laden times, um, anyone can talk to Reggie Watts. That's the new rule. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Grant, um, why, why don't we just get straight into stories? Because if you want to know about Grant's background in science, you can listen to the episode we did with him about, a, a, what, about two years ago, where we talked in detail about you following... Yeah, I think it was about that. Like... Why, why yeah. don't we just jump straight into some, some stories that listeners have sent in from the Week in Science News? Yeah. Thank you to everybody who's sent in. We have a backlog of, of so many stories because other things have taken precedence recently. But yes, everyone who emails probablyscience at gmail.com or tweets us at probablyscience with story suggestions, we appreciate that. And apologies if we never get to your story, but you've, you've all sent in a lot of good ones. So Andrew Miller. Also, I just, wanna, I just want you guys to know that I have brought up pictures of both of you on my computer so I can look at pictures of you while we're doing this. So it's almost like I'm there. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you should. We should do that. We should send out official pictures of us all so people can (laughs) stare at them while they're listening to their probably science. (laughs) Did you just did you Google image search us or did you just look on Facebook or how did you No, just went to your Facebook profile? Matt, you have a very small Facebook profile photo. When you click on your photo, it's like a very low yeah and also it's very old i have <laughs> not up, i have not changed my facebook profile picture ever so it's the picture wow. I, had when I first joined facebook which whenever that was whenever facebook opened up from being just college <laughs> students to everyone uh that would have been like what, 13 years ago dude i think that was <laughs> yeah that fo- the photo that's there is one of my first headshots wow it's me it's me in my mid-20s all bright-eyed yeah like standing at a slight angle around yep. some stairs in a that is exactly it i gotta look at this now <laughs> um, oh by the way do you guys think we should record a cover of imagine at the end of this <laughs> it seems to have worked out well did you see the thing that james abaniak tweeted out uh no what, what did he do it was uh i'll link to it but he's uh I presume it was him who did it, given that he's a voice actor and it didn't have any other credits. But it is the uh, opening scene from Goodfellas as it, as the steady cam walks through the restaurant with a voiceover and <laughs> every mobster doing a line from Imagine. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, we'll, I'll, I'll make sure to put that. That will go in the show notes. Um, oh, this, re- the, the, car, the cast app has an option for adding show notes, so I'll do that as we go along. Oh, that's great. By the way, if someone listening works for Cast and if this ends up working out, um, we, we'd uh, we'd be up for a possible sponsorship. We'll see. Pending this working well. Pending this working, yeah. Um, so, uh, sorry, Andrew Miller sent in this story about NASA fixing the Mars lander by telling it to hit itself with a shovel. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Just, I Wait, did this actually it, work? Uh, apparently so. It seems to be, yeah. So NASA's InSight lander, which is currently on the surface of Mars, has faced some unexpected problems during its mission to explore and study the planet. A digging probe that was built it to burrow beneath the surface like a jackhammer got stuck because Mars's soil is clumpier than scientists expected. Uh, we all remember that the projected clumpiness uh, right. <laughs> factors that were published a few years earlier turned out to be off by a few clump units. Um, my, my my favorite part of this is that this is like the most uh, highbrow, fancy, you know, we're talking Mars technology. And then 
we just fixed it like the way any regular dad would you know just like <laughs> yes, <exactly> bang, <laughs> just bang on it and then and then when it works the dad's like yeah i told you i knew how to fix it and you're like i don't think you got lucky <laughs> no, that's, think, that's nasa though they, they, they yeah. employ the best the best dads of all possible genders <laughs> yeah. in the world every dad of every gender who is yeah. at a certain level can work for nasa or should by the way, it, it just occurred to me that we might be the last generation for whom uh, there's any memory of hitting things being an actual successful way of, besides <laughs> Mars landers, uh, like really nothing, there's nothing that's being created right now that you're supposed to, that could, you could ever hit and expect to get something good out of. But like yeah. 20, 20, 30 years ago, there were things that would actually get fixed by hitting them. Just, just bang this microchip on things. Yeah. <laughs> That'll yeah. work. That's very, yeah, that is a good point because... Certainly, a lot of the technology when I was a kid, you know, you were like cathode ray televisions and yeah, radios with manual tuners in them rather than digital tuners and everything. Yeah, yeah. where it just a little whack is enough to get it going again. I wonder. <laughs> yeah, if you if you sort of hit the size of a an iPad, you're not gonna get. <laughs> <laughs> I, am I wrong though, listeners? Write in. Please email us if you can think of modern technology that's being produced today that is still fixable with a twat on the side. But I feel like hitting something to make it work again will stick around as a like uh, a legacy reference longer than in the same way that like whenever something sexual happens, someone starts doing like this funk music, like bow, chicka, bow, bow. I'm like, no porn has included a music soundtrack <laughs> in the last 30 or 40 years. That's exclusively porn of like the 70s. Everything yeah, seventies and eighties, or even if it does, then it's like it's you know high end narrative porn, but it's still not the sort of like no nobody has a but. But that being said, like I've never watched porn with uh, Bow Chicka Bow Wow in it, and yet it's just so part of our cultural exactly. zeitgeist that I right, know what right. it is still. Same way, hitting things might stick around as a reference, even though no one mm-hmm. has ever seen someone hit something as a way of fixing it. Is my theory? I don't know. <laughs> And also, like, let's bring back that soundtrack to porn. I, porn producers, I, if you're listening, I know, I know, we have the uh, the odd sex worker listener to our podcast. If you, if you have a direct line to anyone who's currently producing porn, particularly in these quarantine times, and you know, you fancy getting a little bit old school with it, you know, I, there, there are plenty of modern mainstream directors who, you know, will do like slightly retro styles. I'm guessing it's just a rights issue. It's like it's you're adding an expense, and like, is it going to actually net you extra money? That expense of hiring a band or licensing some music or whatever. Well, it's it, it's not that expensive to license. There's pretty free library music or very cheap library music. That you, you don't want library music, Matt. You want a high quality funk band on your porn. You, <laughs> you want, want playing. You want an analog live in the corner of the scene. Yeah. Also, so is there going to be like a glut of just amateur? like porn right now with everybody stuck inside people are going to be like well you know we gotta spice it up some way 100 and the market's just going to get flooded yep uh wow. well, that's definitely happening and also <laughs> and also every like other genre of sex worker who can't do stuff in person right now is transitioning to online stuff or just yeah. everybody we're not gonna uh, i'm sure in a few months we'll hear more stories about every relationship becoming an online relationship and therefore every sexual encounter becoming an online sexual encounter and all the pro- accidental leakings of things that are going to happen like think of all these like side effects that 
are unrelated to this virus, but are going to be yeah. because of this virus. You know, think of the sex tapes that are going to come out accidentally in a few months' yeah. time with like two yeah. people getting it on online, and then Andy uncomfortably butting into the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> um, uh, so. According to futurism.com is this where this story is from. After a few failed attempts to get this lander, this stuck jackhammer out of the clumpy soil, NASA got a bit creative. Ultimately, it freed up the probe by giving it a solid thwack with Insight's shovel. <laughs> NASA expected its probe, dubbed the mole, to dig its way through the sand-like terrain. But because the Martian soil clumped together, the whole apparatus got stuck in place. Programming Insight's robotic arm to land down on the mole was a risky last resort maneuver because it risked damaging fragile power and communication lines that attach nearby. Thankfully, engineers spent a few months practicing in simulations before they made a real attempt. <laughs> See, that's where NASA slightly differs from your dad. Right. <laughs> I know. I, th- I just love the idea of this like room full of nerds being like, we didn't whack it hard enough. We got to whack it harder. I mean, like, all right, we whacked this one too hard. (laughs) Or seeing a training montage. Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) We need to find the Goldilocks amount of whack. (laughs) I also want to see a training montage of a dad just getting ready to hit a TV just for months. With lined up dummy TVs in a shed. (laughs) Just each one before you get to the real one. A few months tra- practicing before they made a real attempt. With tentative results that the mole is working again, NASA hopes to again task it with burrowing beneath the surface of Mars. Wait, it's but down- it's just going to have the same problem. <laughs> yeah, but now we know how to get it out. <laughs> <laughs> We're not worried about it. We can whack it more times. <laughs> I thought it was also totally unnecessary that NASA also uh, spit out a loogie over the lander and then sucked it back up at the last second. <laughs> I don't know why they decided to. I just picture this thing being like, this, this happens to Lander. The NASA goes, stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Lander, think fast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Poor Lander. So once it's down there, it'll hopefully be able to complete its research mission, which is analyzing temperature fluctuations inside the red planet in an attempt to understand how similar Mars's core is to Earth. In an attempt to get away from its bully, (laughs) (laughs) it will keep burrowing down. (laughs) All right. Is there Um, any way we can give this rover a space wedgie? What would that even look like? How do we pull that off? I don't know, because I'm not as good as the the boffins over at NASA HQ. I forgot what boffin means. Is that a specifically British term, or... It is. I, I, I think it, it is a specifically British term. Australians might use it. I don't know, but for any kind of smart scientist type. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, I've definitely never heard that before. It's definitely. It's one of those words. Tabloids in particular, which we've discussed on the show before, how British tabloids, which are the lower rent, lower brow newspapers, use substantially more synonyms for any kind of person or occupation. They they have a larger vocabulary. Yeah, like the the Guardian or the Times or the Telegraph would just say, scientists have done this. The scientists here, whereas every sentence in 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 the sun or the mirror will use a different synonym for scientists. It'll be like, boffins have discovered the eggheads over at NASA. (laughs) (laughs) 
I feel like it's, we it's do that like, with. I feel like we do that with election coverage here in America. Like, instead of just saying, like, the Iowa caucuses, it'll be like the Hawkeye State, Illinois' neighbor. You know, right. and they'll be yeah, trying yeah. all of these different ways to say Iowa. <laughs> it's exactly that. It'll be like, uh, yeah, um, congressman, lawma- lawmaker, legislator. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's sort it's sort of like variety speak, I guess, right? You know all those terms. Like no one ever says direct in variety. It's always like lensed or uh, yes. Helmed. Although I don't know if they, the picture will be yeah, helmed. helmed. By... Oh, that's right. Lensed is uh, the the DP, right? Yeah, yeah. Buffins are going. It, it, comedians will always be described as something like the funny man. Funny man. Yeah. <laughs> and Joke boy, stuff. let me tell you, we love that so much. Oh, it's the best. Being called the funny man is all I dreamed of as a kid. <laughs> you can't read that as not sarcastic. There's no way to I read know, that it's word. True. Oh, look at funny man over here. <laughs> oh, look at the funny man with his jokes. <laughs> yeah, like, that's yeah, right. I, I have paid. jokes. I get paid to make <laughs> jokes. You gonna be funny, funny man? <laughs> I, I mean, I hope so. Yep, that's the idea. <laughs> yeah, in the perfect world. Um, let's see. We have a bunch of stories that were all sent in by. Wait, I'm sorry. This one was also from. I'm sorry. Who sent this last story, Matt? The Mars Rover story was that was sent by Andrew, um, Andrew Miller. Thank okay. you, Andrew. Thank you. I was going to say Mike Brown sent in a bunch of stories. Um, as long as we're on a space tip right now, Fuck I yeah, guess we let's should carry on spacing. We should talk about the fact that NASA is now accepting. I mean, true, this was three weeks ago, two weeks ago in a different world, but NASA is now expe- accepting applications for new astronauts. Grant, I don't know if we ever told you, but um, for a minute, uh, we were, at least Brooks and I, in the early days of this podcast, were strongly thinking about uh, applying to be astronauts because we met the bare minimum requirements. Really? Um, I still kind of how did you do it. Can I you believe, like by the way, look up you those? You also meet that requirement, Grant, as someone who has is alive. A... <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't have coronavirus. <laughs> no, because uh, you have you have a degree. You are an American citizen who has a degree in a science subject. For that's all you need. Well, okay. Well, let's that, get that... more specific. No. <laughs> so um, this is. Uh, Channel3000.com, not sure what this site is, but I'm assuming it's legit because it's very low stakes if it's not. Um, so let's see, since the 1960s, 350 people have trained as astronaut candidates under NASA. Um, currently, there are 48 astronauts in the active astronaut corps, but the agency said it needs more of them to help further its exploration efforts. I don't know how much that's changed in recent times, but um, the qualifications, let's see. I, I was pretty sure... Wait, now I'm not seeing the qualifications. I was pretty sure when this was announced a few weeks ago, I didn't. So here you go. It, it's right down here. You you need to be a U.S. citizen and you need to have an advanced degree in a STEM field, along with at least two years of related professional experience, or at least a thousand hours of pilot in command time in a jet aircraft. So you definitely don't. Oh, I've have, got I've got that. You definitely so, don't qualify in the second category. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, the thing. Was advanced I've degree? Spent, I think. Go ahead. Yeah, well, I've I've definitely spent a thousand hours in a jet aircraft, but entirely in the passenger section of the plane, and I'm not sure that would count. But you know, we have a lot of extra time on our hands right now, so I can crank that thousand hours out pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but Just, I think uh, it used to spend be the case a thousand hours a... on Microsoft Flight Simulator. Yeah, exactly. I think it used to be only a bachelor degree requirement, and now it's an advanced degree. So I don't have one of those. What, so. what counts as an advanced degree? Is a master's I think enough, a master's. or does it have to yeah. be a PhD? No, I think a master's is enough. Yeah, a, advanced okay. degree would be master's, and then terminal degree would be like PhD in most fields. <laughs> Terminal? That's, that's leak that, phrasing. That, that is that is legitimately what the, what it's called. It's your I you were like, joking. It's the, no, <laughs> it's like the final degree that you can get. That's when your degree metastasizes, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, stage four. I got stage right. four uh, degree. <laughs> I'm I'm the only one in my family without an advanced um, degree, so it's uh, it's been kind of a weird thing over here. So so you you only you did a only did a bachelor's, but then you did work as a scientist for some time after you graduated. Yes, I did for a lot of years. I did. I worked uh, part time in the environmental science field for over a decade. Yeah. So yeah, that, that should count. That should be job. enough to get you into space. <laughs> yeah. All, all that Would time you, you want to go to space? Cows, counting cows. Yeah. Yeah, I know. The Getting charged is, at. Would you want to go to space? And uh, is the answer to that question different now than it would have been two or three weeks ago? Uh, no, I'm already following my dream, guys. I don't need to okay. go to space. <laughs> nice. I'm shooting for the stars already. <laughs> <laughs> you are the star. Yeah. I've never had I've honestly never had you. like that much of a desire. Like would it would it be fun to go up to space like as a passenger? Yeah, that'd be great. If I was like a rich guy and we were doing like, you know, tourist uh space trips at some point, I would totally do that. But do yeah. I want to like dedicate my life to exploring space? No, I don't care. Yeah, I, I don't think I'd be cut out for it, but it'd be fun to at least. It's one of those things where, when the application's open, you're like, I don't actually want to do it, but I want to be the one to turn them down. You know, I want, I want, <laughs> I want to get accepted. And then be like, no, nah, I'm good. I just wanted to check. Just wanted to check if you guys want to. <laughs> just wanted to make sure I'm superior, you know. Yeah, right. I just need that ego stroked. Yeah. Yeah, if anything, I, I'm too good for NASA, so. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, would when you, I was, if you, uh, if you had the choice, Matt, would you? Would, would, I, yeah, we've talked about this before. I think we actually talked about it a couple of episodes ago. I would go to space in a heartbeat. I would, I, I'd be all about going to space. But I mean, in the capacity in, of, of like, of a professional astronaut, did we talk about this a few weeks ago? I forgot somehow. We did. Yeah. Yeah. But oh. we can talk about it a bit more. Cause... <laughs> I can tell yeah, you, I people shout. I can tell you I've never really cared that much about space, and I know that that's true because when I was a little kid, our next-door neighbor's son was an astronaut. No joke. Uh, he went to the moon and all that no. sort of stuff. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. No. I'm, I'm, I'm not joking. Wait, your uh, next-door neighbor... Wait, their hey, son. I might have gone to the moon because that would that just doesn't work age-wise. Uh, yeah, he may not, he, the moon yeah, was he, like 72 or something. Well, so when I was a kid, though our next door neighbors were like in their seventies or eighties, so their kid would have been, you know, in his fifties or something in, like that. In, in the in the eighties, he was in his fifties. 
Yes. Or 40s, something like that. Uh, but I just remember my mom, all, this is how much, this is why I know I don't care that much because my mom was always being like, you know, their son's an astronaut and he would come around sometime and I was always like, yeah, whatever. Like I never, I never cared. I could text my mom and she would tell me what his name is, but I don't remember what his name is. It was, is there any chance it was Gene Cernan? I don't know. Let me, I'll text my, I'll text my mom right now. I just love that. Would he come around in his spacesuit? No. <laughs> <laughs> like, just in my head, he's full, like, sort of alien. <laughs> just, like, full on Ripley, just, like, coming around to dinner, but just in a massive mechanized walking thing, <laughs> grabbing things with tongs. <laughs> oh, from that documentary Aliens, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's about, how about... all astronauts exist. Yeah. Uh, all right. If I get an answer, I'll let you know. I'm texting her right now. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. We're not, not. We're not trying to poke holes it. in your story. Yeah. Yeah. No. I there. I don't know if he went to the moon, but I do know that he was an astronaut because I my mom even later had a picture of him in his astronaut like suit uniform. Mm. <laughs> Sounds like your mum was like really into him as a possible son. Yep, that's what it, it did kind of feel like that. She was like, well, I know you're never going to accomplish this much, so I might as well soak it in right now. Yeah. <laughs> me, and, uh, me and the other advanced degree members of your family are uh, just going to hang out with this astronaut here while you go and play in the mud. Oh. <laughs> But no, science has lost was comedy's gain. <laughs> exactly. And by the yeah. way, speaking of your comedy career, so with the album coming out and obviously live comedy has sort of been put on pause for a minute, are you doing any kind of streaming shows? Are you thinking about that? What, what's everyone's thoughts on those? What I have done uh, is I, I was like, man, there's so many streaming shows right now. And I wanted to think about what could I do that's like different than that? And yeah. so I am uh, going to curate this uh, video, essentially, uh, which sounds weird, but um, I've gotten a lot of my friends, comedian friends, to send in videos of telling a story about me or making fun of me or that sort of stuff. Because I, uh, I don't know if you guys feel like the same thing, but like the most fun about like album release parties is like you get to have some of your friends, they tell jokes and then they like talk about you on stage. Right. And so I kind of wanted to recreate that in a video form. So I'm getting videos uh, from people talking about me and I'm going to play like a short clip of their stand up, and then the video of them talking trash about me or telling a story about me or being nice about me or anything like that. And I'm going to put all of this together into like an album release video. That's awesome. I like that. Yeah. Sounds kind of fun, right? It's a, it's like a, it's a different idea. I think it's, uh, you know what? These times are going to create so much innovation and that is an example of it. Yes. I'm for it. Yeah. Here's some more innovation while we're waiting to find out who the astronaut was. Genetically modified neurons could help connect us, help us connect to implants. This was sent in by Chris Nelson. Breast it's implants, a new right? scientist article. What's that? Breast, breast, correct? 
Yes, yes, breast breast implants. Those are exactly okay. the implants that the neurons yeah. are going to help connect us to. Great. So, yeah. The, here come the cyborgs, so starts this New Scientist article. The electrical properties of specific types of nerve cells in living animals have been changed by genetically modifying them to produce conducting polymers on their surface. Says, the work which promises to allow electrical control of specific groups of cells could lead to everything from new treatments for conditions such as epilepsy to better ways of connecting prosthetic nerves to uh, limbs to nerves, says Zinan Bao of Stanford University. Those are definitely possibilities. At present, electrical implants such as those used for detecting Parkinson's disease often consist of metal electrodes pushed into the brain. One of the disadvantages is that there is no way to control the activity of specific types of neuron. Bao and her colleagues genetically modified specific cell types to produce an enzyme on their surface that joins small molecules, monomers, together to make a chain or polymer. These polymers can either can be either an electrical conductor or insulator, depending on the monomer. The team did this first with animal and human cells in a dish, then with miniature human brain-like structures in the lab, and finally in living nematode worms. The worms nematode are first soaked worms. in the monomers that the enzymes join to make the polymers. In large our animals, the monomers would need to be injected. The researchers showed that this approach resulted in the targeted nerve cells becoming coated in the polymer. Yep. Everyone loves a nematode worm. Yeah. <laughs> and it became coated in the polymer, which altered the behavior of the cells as they expected it would. For instance, targeting the neurons con- that control movement made the worms less likely to move forward or more likely to make sharp turns, depending on the type of polymer. Wow. The researchers don't yet understand why the modifications have these effects, says Bao nor have they attempted to connect to or interact with the modified neurons, but the results are proof of principle, she says, and it took many years. So yeah, all those sharp-turning if, worms that you're seeing out and about could, these days. <laughs> that's, you know, if only someone could create a way that I could turn more sharply. That's what I've been lacking in my life recently. <laughs> Guys, uh, I have to tell you, I didn't uh, hear I didn't hear that story very well because I've still been trying to figure out who this astronaut was. <laughs> I'm being I'm being a bad guest. No, I but the, end, a, the payoff's going to be great because either it's going to show that uh, it's an awesome astronaut or that you're a hilarious liar. And yeah, way, <laughs> well, I'm on a text I'm on a text chain with my family right now. I did a group text with my mother and my brother and my older sister and. I said, who was the astronaut whose parents lived next to us in Arcadia? And my sister wrote back, I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like sometimes those family legends are like threads you and, don't want to pull on too hard, you know? And then my brother goes, Wendy, you know, it was your flute teacher's older brother. He went to Perfect. space. <laughs> <laughs> It was your flute teacher's older brother. They lived across the street. Uh, yep. He goes, yeah, they lived across the street. And my sister goes, goes, wow, I had no idea. All I remember was that her name was Janet, I think. And then my brother goes, mom, mom would for sure know. <laughs> so it's... It's still a mystery right now. <laughs> that sounds like you've been you've been slightly corroborated, though. I think it's gonna prove true. Yeah. Well, apparently, it was a big deal to some people in my family, and not a big deal at all to other people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, now now we have another clue where we can maybe track it down 
Like, which astronaut has a sister called Janet who plays the flute? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> this really turned into a real Sherlock Holmes podcast now. I bet someone out there can figure that out. Uh, That's, that information has to be available astronaut on some corner of the internet. Sister Janet. <laughs> 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 I mean, uh, there's a couple ways this could go. If we're talking about just people who've been to the moon, then the search becomes easier because there's only like, what are they like, yeah, 24 people or something? I, but if it's astronauts, I think general, he probably, yeah, I think he probably didn't go to the moon, but I think he went to space. He was, uh, right. he was like, he was not a support person. He was an actual astronaut, you know. L- to be fair, we don't call the people who don't go to space support people. They're also astronauts. <laughs> Yeah, but we don't really think about them the same in our hearts. Oh, it's (laughs) unfortunate, but true. (laughs) Not fair, but true. Uh, Yeah, I feel like... I I I found one astronaut's sister who is called Janet, but that Janet is also an astronaut. And... uh, Oh. uh, Not a flute teacher? (laughs) Not a flute teacher. Okay. Jeanette Epps. It's Jeanette. It should be Janet because it should rhyme with planet. If you're an astronaut, that's yeah. But there's Janet, Janet, and Jeanette who are twin sisters. Oh, that's a bad. Those parents are not. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> that's like naming your kids Mary and Marie. That's like no, but that's the kind of mean competitive parenting that results in astronauts. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I I grew up with uh, twins who lived on my street named. Uh, <laughs> this is like a real. I'm really my streets prominent in this episode uh but there were kids uh on the street that were named donnie and donna twins and i always thought that was a real dick move by the parents especially because fraternal twins aren't even i mean not to disparage fraternal twins but you're not even real twins you know what i mean like you're just kind of (laughs) siblings you don't have to give the same name yeah it's like are, are you the least creative people ever that was the first fuck up of the new studio system. Cars Ugh. fucked up on us. Uh, yeah. I, I I don't know where we were up to. I was I just discovered a candidate for your astronaut. I don't know if oh is your we figured it out, but maybe it wasn't recording at the time. Oh that, oh, that whole moment of us. Oh wait wait wait, but maybe it did still record that. Just Matt wasn't part of it. I think so. I think so. Hang on, was it? Can I can I find out if I was right? Is yes. is your astronaut Stephen Wayne Lindsay? Yes, correct. it is. You are correct. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and Who my brother confirmed that. Your brother uh, confirmed it. Yeah, Andy said Andy said the name, and then I looked him up on uh, the internet, and I was like, oh, that's for sure him, because I remember my mom having that picture, the picture exact- like. Yeah, essentially his Wikipedia picture. Like, my mom had that picture. Uh, And when I texted it to my family, my brother was like, oh, yeah, that's it for sure. Oh, that's That's crazy. So he he logged uh, a total of 62 days, 22 hours, and 33 minutes in space. Yeah, it's pretty solid. So you can see why my mom was proud. (laughs) (laughs) He, uh... He was a veteran of five space flights. That's that's a lot. None Especially of them, yeah. spanning eleven or fourteen years, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. None of them. None of them to the moon. He did his space career was very much several decades after 
the Apollo missions. Yes. So I, I misspoke when I said that he had gone to the moon, but he was in fact an astronaut that went to space. He a hundred percent did. Yes, he very cool. much spent quite a bit of time in space. He his first flight was in nineteen ninety seven, and his final one was in two thousand six. I thought it was twenty eleven. No. Oh, sorry. Sorry, you're right. Yes, and that was the last. The, the he was the final flight on on Discovery. Wow. And was Discovery the final shuttle? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Oh. Which one um, is it? Endeavor that's here in LA uh, near USC. Uh, yes, I think it yes, is. Yes, that that is the the one that got taken to the museum here. Yeah. Oh no! Hang on. Discovery was the first operational shuttle to be retired, followed by Endeavor and then Atlantis. Okay. I mean, how often do you live next to an astronaut, though? You know what I mean? Yeah, really. It's, uh, <laughs> actually, the only astronaut we've had on the podcast is because my friend lived next to him, but only in the summers. Her vacation home was next to oh, Chris Hadfields. Funny. So we got him on. <laughs> oh, and he's like the ago. famous astronaut. <laughs> yeah, that was a get. That was definitely, I owe Emily. Emily Mounts, thank you for hooking that up. Again. That was <laughs> yeah. Pretty, pretty cool. Pretty cool guest. I mean, not that you're no slouch, Grant. Let's come on. Look, you know, I knew an astronaut when I was like nine years old, and that's pretty cool. (laughs) That's all any of us could hope for. Yeah. Yeah, you you definitely knew. You went to. You grew up next to more astronauts than I did. Yeah. You know, I think as long as we're making this a space episode, why not keep that space train a rolling? There are trains in space, right? I don't know how space works. Yeah, um, yeah sure. Okay. And, and yeah. s- space is like the uh, one place where like social distancing is perfectly normal. Thank you. That's what that's what the tie-in is with this. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, m- listener Mike Brown also sent in a story, a new scientist, about the fact that Earth has acquired a brand new moon that's about the size of a car. Did you guys hear about this? No. Yeah, I like, might have. <laughs> what's that? I, I like that you went a bit Jay Leno on that for a second. <laughs> you guys hear about this? Have you heard about <laughs> this? <laughs> Wait, so it uh, like it's basically orbiting us? Yeah, now? Earth might have Earth might have a tiny new moon on February nineteenth. Astronomers at the Catalina Sky Survey in Arizona spotted a dim object moving quickly across the sky. Over the next few days, researchers at six more observatories around the world watched the object, designated twenty twenty CD three and calculated its orbit, confirming that it has been gravitationally bound to Earth for about three years. An announcement posted by the Minor Planet Center, which monitors small bodies in space, states that, quote, no link to a known artificial object has been found, implying that it is most likely an asteroid caught by Earth's gravity as it passed by. This is just the second asteroid known to have been captured by our planet as a mini-moon. The first, 2006 RH-120, hung around between September 2006 and June 2007 before escaping. Our new moon is probably between 1.9 and 3.5 meters across, or roughly the size of a car, making it no match for Earth's primary moon, obviously. It circles our planet about once every 47 days on a wide, oval-shaped orbit that mostly swoops far outside the larger moon's path. The orbit isn't stable, so eventually 2020 CD3 will be flung away from Earth. Quote, it is heading away from the Earth-Moon system as we speak, says Grigory Federetz at Queen's University, Belfast in the UK, and it looks likely it will escape in April. However, there are several different simulations of its trajectory. They don't all agree. We'll need more observations to accurately predict the fate of our mini-moon and even to confirm that it is definitely a temporary moon 
and not a piece of artificial space debris. Our international team is continuously working to constrain a better solution, says Federetz. All I'm hearing is don't get too attached to this new moon. Okay? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, this is just a drifter who's coming through town. Yes, he's charming. <laughs> he but won't don't... be here long. He's yeah. not your new moon. <laughs> <laughs> this is just this is just your mum's moon friend for this yeah. summer holiday. Oh. This is just like... a fun new moon, but <laughs> don't like get Earth, attached. Earth in this scenario is Brandy of the hit song brandy and uh you know just these sailors come and go and poor brandy she just can't what a fine what a fine life she would be but uh my life my love my lady is space sorry brandy i gotta go space is <laughs> i i don't i don't know this song but i do like this analogy it's, uh, it's okay, it's, uh, it's it's okay Matt, because I think this is probably the most that song's ever been quoted before. So <laughs> I think I think it had a resurgence in uh, I think <laughs> Guardians Two. It was in the soundtrack because it was like a lot of seventies in both of those movie soundtracks. It's uh, it's like a story song about this waitress in like a port side bar who keeps falling for all these sailors, but they're they're in love with the sea. They can't be tied down to poor Brandy, and all the and all the sailors say Brandy. You're a fine girl, or wait, what are the lyrics? They said, Brandy, what a fine girl, what a good wife you would be. But my life, my love and my lady is the sea. Do, 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 do. You know the song. I mean, oh, I'm okay, gonna... I, do, I do know the song now. I just yeah. think I'd never listen to any of the lyrics. Yeah, I'm also going to put... I'm also going to lay, like, at least some of the blame at the feet of Brandy, because it's I like, mean, learn yes. your lesson. You know, what's the, like what's the common denominator in all these relationships, yes. Brandy? It's you, yeah, yeah. And maybe like you know, do, try something else. Maybe don't go after uh, a seafaring man anymore. You know, <laughs> but I mean, she works in that in that restaurant there. So what else? I guess get a different job, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I have a friend who can't listen to that song without crying. I don't know why, but it it, it definitely speaks to some people. Maybe uh, that friend had, like, a parent who ran off with the sea. <laughs> I guess, yeah. So we're going to lose this mini-moon, guys. Enjoy it while it's around, but, uh, like you said, don't get too attached. Can, I don't know. Can, I we, think I... can we see it? Like, I mean, uh, obviously not not probably with the naked eye, but can we, like, if, you know, if you just have, like, a neighbor who's got, like, a telescope, can you go over there and check out this new moon? Um, the The... the the tweet that has the video of it flying by seems like it's grabbed from a non-consumer grade telescope. I think this is probably okay. a, uh, I think you need some pretty high tech equipment and you'd have to know a very precise place to point it to catch this car. So now there's a car size thing and there's a Tesla up in space. Both things are up there at the same time. I don't know what right, happens. And it does they... say we need to make sure, like we need to confirm that this isn't some human made space debris. Oh, okay. Like, when are we going to lose the Tesla? Yeah, do we have any space debris that would be in that huge of an orbit that it stays farther out than the moon? That seems unlikely for some reason to me. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Sorry to not have a mental answer for that. I don't know why I asked a rhetorical question of of the two of you. (laughs) Um, Well, there, there is one sort of you know, we're going to lose this moon, but there is one more optimistic story about survival. And it's one that I think a couple of episodes ago, 
we introduced this topic and then got let, let and then you know got taken off topic against our will and never got to do this story so why not we do this the scientists find the first animal that doesn't need oxygen to survive sent in by Dean winston it sounds familiar i can't remember why we wouldn't have finished the story but um let's do it is is it a but it's a it's a not a mars animal it's a earth animal yeah Hey, oh, wait, is this... God damn it. So much has happened in the last two weeks. Did we actually... There was one story that I introduced and then we never got to finish, but maybe it wasn't this story at all. Maybe we actually did do this story in its entirety. This does sound familiar. I wish I knew my own podcast better, but... Um... Boy. A lot's gone down guys, the last couple of weeks. Yeah, now you guys are going to be like, well, let's move on to something else, and I'm going to be stuck over here in my bedroom... Have a no idea what animal yeah. can survive. Why do we do the, Why do we do the story anyway? Because that it, it just, was oh, just give me a, I'll just ago, give me so a Cliff not? Notes version. Give me a Cliff Notes version right now. I will tell okay, you so why. I will tell you why we should. Ge- Matt, just so you know, if we do this, a listener is going to a b these. They're going to download them both and overlay them on top of each other, like they did like <laughs> seven seven years ago. The same thing happened. And someone sent us a file that was you talking with yourself in the same story twice. So that's, that's, that's the risk we run. That's the risk we run. That is the risk we run. That was also, to be fair, that was two stories substantially further apart than two weeks. Like, it was like it was like a year and a half apart doing exactly yeah. the same story. Yeah. Man, what a, almost exactly what a good fan. Jokes. Yeah. Oh, we have got obsessive fans. In that's a good way. Great. They're the best. But yeah, this they've discovered a jellyfish-like parasite that doesn't have a mitochondrial genome, the first multicellular organism known to have this absence. That means it doesn't breathe. In fact, it lives its life completely free of oxygen dependency. This discovery isn't just changing our understanding of how life will work here on Earth. It could have implications for the search for extraterrestrial life. Life started to develop the ability to metabolize oxygen, uh, that is, respirate, sometime over 1.45 billion years ago. A larger archaeon engulfed a smaller bacterium, and somehow the bacterium's new home was beneficial to both parties, and the two stayed together. That symbiotic relationship resulted in the two organisms evolving together, and eventually those bacteria ensconced within became organelles called mitochondria. There is no way we read out this story, because I would have remembered this thing, because I, no, I had no idea about that. That Mitochondria, which as we all know, separate, uh... is the... The powerhouse of the cell, <laughs> which we did, which did come up a few episodes ago. That's the one science fact that people like to re- re- repeat. Yeah. Uh, I had no idea that mitochondria came from basically one organism engulfing another, and that or- the bacterium that was engulfed became the mitochondria. That's uh, really cool. Yeah. They, Isn't it? I, I love symbi- symbiotic relationships. That's why I've always been into KFC Taco Bell combinations. <laughs> <laughs> and pizza. You know? Yeah. When, you know, you make each other stronger. <laughs> <laughs> it's the uh, Voltron of fast food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... Every cell in your body, except for red blood cells, has large numbers of mitochondria, and these are essential for the respiration process. They break down oxygen to produce a molecule called adenosine triphosphate, which multicellular organisms use to power cellular processes. 
We know there are adaptations that allow some organisms to thrive in low oxygen or hypoxic conditions. Some single-celled organisms have evolved mitochondria-related organelles for anaerobic metabolism. But the possibility of exclusively anaerobic multicellular organisms has been the subject of some scientific debate. That is, until now, when a team of researchers led by Diana Yahalomi of Tel Aviv University decided to take a close, another look at a common salmon parasite. That's a parasite for salmon fish called Hen- Henigaya salminicola. It is a... How do you pronounce this? Cnidarian? C-N-I-D-A-R-I-N. I, I, I don't know many words that begin with C-N. I've never seen it. The... It's Cnidarian. It's what? Yeah, I think I think Matt pronounced it correctly. Cnidarian. Cnidarian. Okay. Uh, belonging to the same phylum as corals, jellyfish, and anemones. And Armenians. And I mean, <laughs> uh, although the cysts it creates in the fish's flesh are unsightly, the parasites are not harmful and will live within the salmon for its entire life cycle. Tucked away inside its host, the tiny cnidarian can survive quite hypoxic conditions, but exactly how it does so is difficult to know without looking at the creature's DNA. So that is exactly what those gosh darn researchers those did, researchers. Wait. according to this ScienceAlert.com story. I heard you they, say it better the the second time. Don't say the C. Nidaria. Nidaria? Oh, yes. Ah. Yeah. See, that's that's why we have a scientist turned comedian on the show. Yeah. <laughs> they use they use deep sequencing and fluorescence micro- microscopy to conduct a close study of H. salmonicola and found it had lost its mitochondrial genome. In addition, it also lost the capacity for aerobic respiration and almost all of the nuclear genes involved in transcribing and replicating mitochondria. Like the single-celled organisms, it had evolved mitochondria-related organelles, but these are unusual too. They have folds in the inner membrane not usually seen. The same sequencing and microscopic methods in a closely related uh, Nidarian fish parasite, Mycobolus squamulus, was used to control and clearly showed a mitochondrial genome. This result show here at last is a multicellular organism that doesn't need oxygen to survive. Finally. Exactly how it survives is something of a mystery. It could be leaching adenosine triphosphate from its host, but that has yet to be determined. Is that AD- my, ADT? Is ADT, that, that's what? yeah. My, so the my is- favorite is that the, that they were the article was talking about how this has been like a... Uh, uh, a topic of debate whether there were uh, anaerobic or aerobic uh, animals out there, and I just imagine there being like this argument between scientists, and then this was all just spite research. Was like, oh yeah, you want to put some money down on it? I'm going to prove you wrong, and this whole thing was discovered just out of spite. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past those boffins. They're, they're yeah. a belligerent bunch. <laughs> <laughs> those, those goddamn boffins. <laughs> <laughs> These results show here at last is a multicellular organism that doesn't need oxygen to survive. Exactly how it survives is something of a mystery. It could be leaching adenosine triphosphate from its host. That's yet to be determined. But the loss is pretty consistent with an overall trend in these creatures, one of genetic simplification. Over many, many years, they have basically devolved from a free-living jellyfish ancestor into the much more simple parasite we see today. 
They've lost most of the original jellyfish genome, but retaining, oddly, a complex structure resembling jellyfish stinging cells. They don't use these to sting, but cling to their hosts. An evolutionary adaptation from free-living jellyfishes needs to the parasites. And so you're telling me this is like the laziest animal of the animal kingdom. This yeah, is like, ugh, ugh, it is too much work to, to breathe, breathe on my own. Yeah. I am going to devolve and just get you to do the work. Yeah, they just, <laughs> oh, you breathe already. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. And it's also I worth, can't it's be worth, bothered. It's worth clicking on the link to this article to see what they look like because it looked like a, a, a combination of sperm and uh, most artists' renderings of what aliens look like from from abductees. So you're saying eyes. it's a sperm alien? Sperm alien, alien sperm. <laughs> and those two eyes are the uh, aforementioned, formerly um, jellyfish stinging cells. Can you see the article, Grant? No. I just posted it in our um, TriCast, if you want to look at it. Oh, there it is. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Ghost sperm. Ghost alien sperm, yeah. Yeah. Those are fun. Aren't they? I could do a blacklight poster of that on my freshman dorm wall. (laughs) Grunt. Yes. Uh, where can our listeners find you and more importantly find your new album which drops on tuesday yeah i'm very excited about it it's called scheduled fun time uh and it'll be on itunes it'll be on amazon it'll be on google play all of the platforms uh and you can always follow me on social media at grant lion one the number one because some other jerk took my name first uh yep so i'm on instagram mostly and stuff so yeah thanks yeah i'm excited about this album Uh, yeah i'm excited to hear it well that's very cool um, i'm hope this episode does end up sounding better and works for you guys we're going to keep experimenting with different ways of recording remotely while this whole thing is going on and i know this is a coronavirus free episode but again like don't be a dick. I, I keep seeing some people, like, <laughs> videos and stuff of people kind of going, like, oh, we, it's, like, it's some kind of, like, oh, if we give in to the quarantine not going out, then we'll, we're letting the terrorists win. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, um, oh. Stay home. I, I, I keep talking to friends who are doctors, and it's really scary, and we can make it less scary by all staying home. I know, I'm guessing most people who listen to this... Uh, this show this is moot you guys are already doing that and you're already probably spreading the word as well but um, yeah yeah be good uh we're gonna keep trying to pump out these episodes i hope you're doing okay grant lion again thank you so much for joining us uh listeners thanks for having me fellas probably science.com probably science gmail.com facebook slash probably science twitter at probably science individually at andy t wood and at matt kershon and uh we will see you I, I was going to say next week but I think we're going to we keep trying a little bit more than weekly but we'll see what happens yeah yeah it remains to be seen what the schedule will be but probably more than it used to be yeah uh, alright cheers guys alright have a good one